Okay, all right. Well, um, this morning, we're going to get straight into the Word. Who's ready for that? Good. All right. Let's pray. This is the first Sunday at church of uh, the new financial year. So the first Sunday of uh, the middle of the year. Am I looking all right up here, honey? I'm okay. All right. <laughs> now, d- just so you know, we were going to introduce you to baby Savannah, bring her up here. Uh, but she was asleep last Sunday and she's asleep this morning. So uh, for those people who are parents, you know how amazing it is when your newborn is asleep. Amen. So we'll pick a moment when we can. But obviously you can get around and connect with um, with Sarah and um, pop your head in, in the crib if she's asleep during the cafe time. We've got complimentary lunch on after the service as well. So look out for that. All right. I want to get into the word this morning. And I'm actually doing something uh, that I used to do quite a lot. Um, a couple of years ago, which was called Teaching Series. Usually uh, when we do a particular message that goes over three Sundays, three or four Sundays, you know, sometimes shorter series, which would go for two Sundays. Um, the last couple of seasons, I've done less teaching series and I've done more kind of one-off messages and we've had guest speakers. Um, but I felt at the beginning of this new financial year and also the beginning of the halfway point of the year, that uh, the Lord put on my heart to, to bring this teaching series. What that means for you and I, uh, particularly you, because obviously I'm going to be here for the three Sundays because I'm bringing the teaching series. But what that means for you to get most out of a teaching series is to be here all of the Sundays of the teaching series, obviously. Uh, and it actually requires a little bit more of a commitment from you in terms of coming along to the house of God and understanding that the Lord wants to bring a word, but He wants you to marinate in it. Everyone say marinate. Uh, So like a good piece of steak, he wants you to chew on it a little bit so it gets further embedded into your spirit and it can nourish you and help you to grow. Who believes that? I said, who believes that? Good. Awesome. All right. Well, um, I want to ask permission up front. Is it okay for me to challenge you today? Is it okay for me to preach in my own natural style today? So I don't have to be anyone else. I can just be myself. Is that okay? Good. All right. Can you be yourself today? Good. All right. Well, let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the word this morning. I thank you for every single person here that's uh, ready to receive your word. Lord, whether they've known you only for a couple of days, whether they've known you for many years, whoever they are, if they're a first-time visitor, if they've been here for many seasons and forever house, Lord, I pray that every single person, Lord, would be impacted positively by this word. Lord, I pray for the next three Sundays. I pray for this teaching series, Lord, that you would illuminate revelation in people's lives. Father, I thank you, Lord. Lord, bring positive change in people's words. Lord, we pray for the anointing and the power of God on your word, Lord, to build people up in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Awesome. Well, I, I wanted to, uh, first of all, talk about the, the topic, bridging the gap. And uh, bridging the gap is something that I came up with because it's supposedly slightly different to uh, crossing over. But when we cross over something, usually uh, there's some type of a bridge or there's an ability for us to cross over whatever it is that we're crossing over. And I think a bridge is a good analogy. And when we're crossing over from one place to another place, there's usually a gap in between. Can I get everyone to say the word gap? And so this series today is about bridging the gap. But, you know, I wanted to start with a moment of, uh, I suppose, honesty and vulnerability in that um, what I'm going to be preaching about today is um, some key principles that I know um, have worked uh, in my life and Sarah's life. Um, But they're also principles that we're actually walking out right now. 
Because as we're wanting to grow in God, there's seasons when you grow and then there's seasons when you get comfortable. Who knows that? And uh, so we're actually uh, being challenged right now by the Lord to move out of a season of comfort. Uh, we've had some great, uh, significant breakthroughs in our life personally. We've seen God move uh, faithfully in our life. Um, and we've seen God miraculously provide in our life. But uh, the Lord is challenging us now for us to, to look up again and dream again and believe for uh, the new things that God's going to do. And so it's an exciting season for us as we, uh, exciting but also uncomfortable as we get out of our comfort zone and we start to uh, understand what the Lord wants, uh, the new things the Lord wants to bring us into. So for us personally, this teaching series is very much a now word for our family. And we feel spiritually this is a now word for our corporate church family as well. For some of you, uh, well, for most of you, I believe this, this teaching series will challenge you. I think it may, may even, in a positive way, shake your identity to your inner core. It may cause you to look at yourself. It may cause you to look at yourself in a way that maybe you've never looked at yourself before. And that is actually identifying with the Lord. What is it about you that, that the Lord is, is challenging you to, 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 to admit and to change in order to help to move you forward into the things that God has for you. So um, we need a little bit of bravery over the next three Sundays. But with that bravery and courage, where the Lord commands us to be strong and courageous, you know, when he commanded Joshua to enter the promised land, I'm asking that everyone have a little bit of bravery as we go into this teaching series, um, because it's designed to help every single person here. Who believes that? Good. All right. So I actually want to start with the book of Joshua. Um, I've said this before, it's one of my favorite uh, books in the Bible. I love it uh, because Joshua was the key leader that led the people of God into the promised land after they'd been in the wilderness uh, wandering for 40 years. And one of the reasons why I decided to bring this teaching series is just a couple of weeks ago, I had the privilege to speak at our youth and young adults retreat called Propel. And it was a word... It kind of, we just sat down, more connect group style. We actually all sat down on the floor. It was kind of like a, a real kind of, uh, uh, like, a, like a school moment. We were kind of connected. We sat down the, on the floor together, not on seats, and we had a real connect group feel. And I brought this word from my heart. But I wanted to solidify the revelation and bring it to the church today. So I want to start with uh, Joshua uh, chapter 1. And this uh, starts with where the Lord commands Joshua. And so I'm going to read from uh, chapter 1, verse 1 through to the end of verse 9. Here we go. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid. So right there in that first part, we're looking at succession. Everyone say succession. What is succession? Someone tell me. Someone shout out to me. What do we mean by succession? Taking over. Good. Good, to someone stepping up and, and taking on leadership. Now, if God's going to transition someone from being an assistant to actually leading, do you think that God wants to do something new? Come on now. And so God wants to do something new. And if God's about to do something new, then we want to listen to what is the instruction that God wants to give this person if he wants to do something new through them. So a lot of our keys, if, if you're in your life and you want to see God do something new, through you and through your family and in your life, who here wants to see God do something new? Come on now. 
All right? So this is, this is kind of like God speaking to us. He's about to give some key instruction to a man that he's declared, I'm about to do something new with you. I'm transitioning you from being an assistant to now being a leader. This is a brand new day. This is a brand new season. And now I want you to lean your ear in. I've got clear instruction to give you because I want to do something new. Verse 2 uh, goes on and says, Moses, my servant, is dead. So he's talking about the past is the past. Now then, you and all these people, so you, but also the people you're going to call to influence. So that could be you and your family. It could be you and the team that you're called to influence, whoever it is. So he's not just talking to the private victory of Joshua, but he's talking to the public victory of Joshua. He's not just talking to the private world and the influence of Joshua, but he's talking to the public world of Joshua as well. Where in verse 2, he says, Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. God is going to give the promised land to the people of God. Verse 3, I will give you every place where you set your foot. Notice there is, there is a, a, a specific um, highlighting there where God says, I will give you every place where you set your foot. So what he's saying right there is that I'm requiring something of you, leader of God. I'm requiring something of you, man of God. I'm actually, I require you to move. I require you to step out. I require you to partner with me to position yourself. And your reward is that I'll give every place that you choose to step. Who thinks there may be something in that for you here today? I'm about to give... Uh, to them, to the Israelites. And it's not just you, but it's also the people that are following you are going to benefit. There's going to be a generational blessing. There's going to be a reaping. There's going to be a harvest. There's going to be a follow-on effect. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the uh, Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. So God is making it very clear where the extent of the new territory is going to be. God is giving clear instructions where he's actually saying it's from here to here. Um, He's actually mapping out the new season. He's giving a blueprint church to Joshua so that Joshua is enabled and empowered to see clearly where God is wanting to position him and where God is wanting him to take the people of God. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. God is saying to Joshua, I'm in on this. I'm with you. I'm a part of this. I'm for this. I'm, I'm favoring all of this. Uh, I'm with you. I'll never leave you. I'm not going to run away from you. I'm going to stay with you. I'm going to be with you because I'm for you. Who knows that God is saying the same thing to you today? If I could just create a little bridge with this message. You know, all of the, the, the words this year, at the beginning of this year of our church, is that we are developing a dominion mindset, and we are balancing that with a humble heart. You know, for Joshua to hear the Lord speak to him with this command, yes, it gets him fired up that he's a man to take dominion, but when the, when, the, when the most high God gives such clear instruction that he is for him, that he'll never leave him, that he'll never forsake him, that he's with him, that he favors him, that he's about this, he's about him taking 
territory, it would humbled, it would have humbled Joshua in a good way. It, it really would have said to Joshua, it would have set in Joshua's heart, I, I can't do this in my own strength. I must rely on God. And thank goodness that God is with me. And so it would have, again, linked to this theme this year that God is establishing a dominion mindset for a reason, that we are called to go into a new level of promise. We are called to go into a place, a season of provision and promotion. Who knows that we've been saying that a lot, that this is a season, you know, uh, I can't share the detail right now, but we have a family that's about to give a testimony where it's been prophesied for seasons that people will be established in houses. This family has had a miracle take place where God has opened a door and uh, and they have stepped into uh, being able to uh, purchase and and have a home and we're going to get them to give a testimony. It's an amazing story. It's just recently happened. They're excited. They can't wait to share it. But can I tell you, God is on the move. We've got another family right now who's been, who's been believing uh, for a house. And, uh, you know, they've, they've been frustrated in different seasons, but they're putting steps in place. And then they're not just believing God with blind faith, but they're partnering with the Lord. The Lord has given them a strategy. The Lord has given them a blueprint. They're putting steps in place. And it's not easy. They're having to be in faith. They're having to pray things. They've had obstacles. They've had setbacks. They've had to pray things through. They've had to push through in their faith. But God is starting to open that door bit by bit because they believe and they know that they're in a season of promise and provision and promotion. So who believes that you're in a season of promotion and provision? Come on now, who believes that? Because this is where the challenge will come over this next three-part teaching series. Where today, it all starts with your mindset. And so we're talking about, again, linking it to the dominion mindset. And so we go back to the scripture in verse 6, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Verse 7, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you, which pretty much is saying, stay close to me, stay close to my word, stay in relationship with me. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this mouth, the book of the Lord, depart from your mouth. Keep speaking it out. Then it says meditate it, so don't let it depart from your mouth. So keep speaking it out, which is a dominion mindset. We've been talking about that recently. Then it says meditate to to renew your mind, to transform your mind. Because as a man thinks, so he is. Getting the mindset right, getting the word of God, becoming so familiar with the promises of God. And when I say familiar, not the type of familiar that where you become so familiar that you disrespect and it's just you take things for granted. I'm saying get so familiar with the promise of God that it's literally alive on on the inside of your headspace, that it's literally alive on the inside of your heart, that the promises of God are constantly coming out of your mouth like a flowing river. This is what God is commanding Joshua. And if Joshua was given these instructions and then the fruit was that he took the people of God who were wandering in the wilderness for 40 years and finally they break through, are these instructions not important for you and I?
Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let the book of the Lord depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it so that you may be aligned to the principles of God. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. That's the scripture that I wanted to start with. And now I want to dive deep into it. Is that cool? All right. I just feel to pray again. I'm going to step up here. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the atmosphere in this house. Lord, I pray that this be an atmosphere of faith. Lord, I pray that this be an atmosphere, Lord, that enables people to grow. Lord, I pray for the fertilizer effect on the Word of God. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, be like living water that would actually pour a freshness on the Word of God. Lord, let the revelation of God through this Word be fresh, like fresh baked bread in a bakery. Lord, let it be so attractive in its smell. Let it be so uh, mouth-watering, Lord, that people would chew on it in their hearts as we get into your Word this morning in Jesus' name. Everyone said, all right. So let's talk a little bit about the context here when we're talking about bridging the gap. One of the things that Sarah and I are incredibly on a personal level with this word, uh, one of the things, if someone, if someone sat down and interviewed me and said, what, what would be one of the main things that you are really passionate about when it comes to the kingdom of God? One of those answers, I think, for me uh, would be, one of our greatest passions is to help men and women of God in their identity and their call not to just remain in the wilderness, but to actually come into the promises of God. And a big part of today's message is that you have got to uh, kind of ask yourself in a fresh way. And the answer may be different depending on different spheres or areas of your life. But the question will be this, are you a wilderness Christian? Or are you a promised land Christian? Come on now. And you may, you may have different answers and responses depending on different areas of your life, church. And that's okay. The key to this part one today of this teaching series called Bridging the Gap is I just want to encourage you to be brave. I want to encourage you to be honest with yourself and reflect in a healthy way. Where are you really at in different areas of your life? Where are you at in a particular area of your life? Are you still a wilderness Christian? And you're kind of going around and around and around. And we'll talk about some of the behaviors and the principles of a wilderness Christian today. We're going to touch on that. We're going to build on that next week. Or are you a promised land Christian in a particular era of your life? And see, what's interesting is today, the heartbeat, the agenda of today, which is coming from my heart, is for you to honestly determine where are you at in different areas of your life. Because when you first know where you're at, only then can you partner with God and work with him for, so he can take you from where you're at to where he wants to take you. Okay. So let's do a little bit of a, a context here. So when we look at, you know, the book of Exodus and we look at the, you know, going towards the book of Joshua, you know, there's a couple of books there in between, Numbers and Deuteronomy, and, you know, it's great. But if we just do a, a quick wrap up, right? Everyone say quick. Okay. So we start with this guy called Abraham. He's the father of the faith. 
right? And what we can learn from Abraham is one amazing attribute about Abraham is he was familiar with the promises of God. This man was into the promises of God. He was into knowing what they were. He was into understanding what they were. He was familiar, familiar, familiar with the promises of God. Uh, and, and one of the greatest contributions that you can make as a man or woman of God to your family, to your church, to whatever sphere of life you're called to influence, one of the greatest contributions you can make is to become clear, to become absolutely understanding, familiar with the promises of God on your life. Because if you know what God's called you to, then you're someone who's got momentum on your life and you're clear cut, you're focused, you're pushed through. If you're not aware, if you're confused about the promises of God, how can you truly take ground for the kingdom of God. Come on now. And so one of the things we can learn from the father of faith, from Abraham himself, is he made it an assignment of his life to become familiar with the promises of God. And what's interesting is, is that when you're familiar with the promises of God, it's about understanding where is God wanting to take you? You, you, you have to be hungry to know that, to research that, to tap into that. And that's, catch this now, that's what happens when people get close to God. See, when people get close to God, God starts to reveal in a new way, in a fresh way, where He wants to take them. And that's why you and I, doesn't matter how long we've walked with the Lord, we have to always be hungry to hit the refresh button on getting close to God again. Because the more we get close to God, the more He reveals a new blueprint, a new step, the next chapter. You get close to God, He reveals to you where He wants to take you. God begins to speak to you about where He's wanting to lead you in the days coming up in your life. And so Abraham has Isaac, and uh, Isaac then has two boys, Jacob and Esau. We know Esau was a bit wildly and, you know, was into soup. <laughs> Jacob, uh, he was like a nerd for Jesus. You know, he was, he was the, the one that was into the promises of God and obviously, you know, was, was interesting the way he, he kind of got the promise uh, and the favor of his father. But, but Jacob had 12 kids and one of those we know was Joseph. You know the musical Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat? That was the Joseph guy. He was the guy that was all into dreaming, right? He loved to dream. And so it got him into trouble though because then he, all of his brothers got jealous of him and so he ended up in, in prison. He actually got taken to Egypt. So Joseph is now in Egypt. Everyone say Egypt. We're doing fast forward here. And, uh, and he, gets, he, you know, uh, he gets himself uh, in prison because uh, he, he works uh, for this guy called Potiphar. And Potiphar's wife thought, you know, Joseph was pretty hot. And so, you know, Potiphar, Potiphar's wife decided to, you know, uh, you know, set up a situation where Joseph, you know, pretty much took off all his clothes and, you know, then uh, accused him. And so, anyway, Joseph had uh, to go to prison because he was falsely accused. Now, let me just take a full stop here and say this. What we can learn from so many stories in the Bible, particularly with Joseph being in prison for something and he was falsely accused, sometimes we can be in prison not knowing it's the only way that God can get us to the palace. Because what ends up happening is through Joseph's obedience and him being hemmed in in the prison, it actually is the key that unlocks his destiny and he becomes the second most powerful man in Egypt. He becomes an advisor to the Pharaoh himself. Who knows that? But can I say this to you? Maybe you feel like you're in a prison right now, but understand that God is working for all, all things, work for those 
who love God. All things work for those who love God. Can I tell you, all things work for good. For good for those who love God. And so you might be in a prison right now, but can I tell you, it may be the vehicle that will get you to the palace. Sometimes we can be going through all different types of challenges, not knowing that God doesn't want to leave us there, but he needs some things to happen in us and through us in order to get us to where he wants us to go. Everyone breathe in. Everyone breathe out. So if you see, when you analyze today, that in some spheres of your life, you feel like you're in a prison, that doesn't mean that God's given up on you. That's when you have to look to God and trust him. But again, we're going to analyze in a healthy way. So Joseph's in, in prison and then he gets out of prison and then God elevates him from there. And, and so we move on with the story. The family tribe of Joseph came down to the land of Egypt uh, where they, and, then, and then the people of God uh, started to multiply. And so uh, you now have uh, most of the people of God are now in Egypt. Uh, but we know that the story goes on and they actually started to, uh, to multiply in number, but they ended up serving as slaves for 400 years in Egypt. This is what the Bible teaches us. Let me ask you this question. How can that be? How can the people of God who love him, who he, who he loves, how, how can God's children, how can God's chosen people be, end up living as slaves in the land of Egypt for over 400 years? How can that be? Go and ask yourself that question. It's a good question to ask, isn't it? Because maybe, just maybe, you've asked the same question yourself. How can it be that I serve you, God, that I'm faithful towards you, God, that I praise and worship you, God, and yet this situation is going on in my life, that I feel trapped, I feel hemmed in, I feel restricted, I feel like there's no breakthrough. How can that be, God? Has anyone asked that question themselves? And then you can start to realize maybe why. What's the God factor here? And I want you to think about this. I want this to be an encouragement to anyone here if you feel like you're hemmed in, if you feel like you're restricted, if you feel like you're being imprisoned. Then you realize, think about this, think about God. How do you take a family of 120 people? Because that's what it started with, the people of God. How do you take a family of 120 people and grow them into a nation that is large enough to contain and hold that land called the promised land into three million people without them splintering off into a whole lot of different directions and factions. How do you take 120 people and grow them into a nation of three million people? How do you do that without them actually kind of interbreeding or breeding with other kind of cultures and becoming all splintered and fractures? How do you do that? The answer is you hem them in on every side. Come on now, church, awaken to this. The answer is you hem them in on every side. You make them a slave race so that no one would want to marry with them to keep their national identity secure and whole. So that when God brought them out, they were actually able to step into the next thing God had for them. Everyone say, oh gee, oh golly. Your initial restrictions might be the catalyst for your distinction. The restrictions that God sometimes puts around your life actually enables you to become distinct. 
Come on now. The working that goes within you sometimes when you're hemmed in is actually what creates gold on the inside of you that puts a distinct mark on you that God says people will now recognize that there's something special about you. There's something whole about you. There's something different about you. That the difficult season you're going through might be God's way of getting you ready for what God's got for you. See, this is interesting. When we talk about bridging the gap, we're going to talk about the fun stuff, about how do we actually transition from one place to another spiritually. But it's not, who knows that the roller coaster ride called bridging the gap is not always fun. Who knows that there are times where it feels like you're in hell. And we need to get this realization that even when it feels like we're in hell, when it feels like we're hemmed in, when it feels like we're absolutely restricted, where sometimes it feels like we, we feel like we're being tortured spiritually because we keep hearing about the promises of God and yet we're not smelling or tasting it yet. That that very season that we're feeling so hemmed in that sometimes we think is like hell mentally or spiritually in our soul realm actually is the condition that God will use as a catalyst to do a work on the inside of you that will establish you for what he has for you. And this is why I'm telling you that a dominion mindset has to be partnered with a humility, a humble heart. Because if it's not, God will cause things to happen so that humility gets birthed. So then comes along Moses and he comes out of Egypt. And what's the great thing here about this is the, the, the biggest key of this message is about to come up. So I want to make sure everyone's ready because I want you to get this in your heart this week and then we're going to build on this on next Sunday. So the next part the Bible talks about is along comes Moses, the deliverer. And he helps to, to, to lead the people out of Egypt. And we know that uh, as, as, as the people of God were preparing for that, there was blood of the lamb put on every door to save that, uh, that decree that was sent out for every first male born of the, the, the Jewish race to be, to be murdered. And so the blood of the lamb uh, saved that annihilation. Right there, God was uh, protecting again uh, the wholeness before they actually left uh, the bondage of Egypt. And then they were able to walk out of Egypt and to be set free. Now, can I say this to you? This is the key anchor of this message that I want to encourage you to get a hold of. And that is this. Everyone write this down. Whatever way you want to write it down, please get this down. Don't just let it tickle your ear. Write this down so you can meditate on this. And this is the key anchor. Every person in life, let me make it more personal. Every person in their life has two crossings. Write that down for me. Can I encourage you, if you're not writing it down, Come on, write it down. Type it out, whatever it is. Every person in their life has two crossings. The first crossing is this one. When you find Jesus, you get saved. You get delivered. Exactly what happened to the people of God with Moses. They were in bondage, weren't they? They were in slavery. And they had to be delivered from that place. So if we go to the New Testament example, because of Jesus, well, because of Jesus, well, Jesus was slain for 
our sins. The Bible says that Egypt was the world. It represented sin and death. And because of what Jesus has done, that world has no longer any hold over us. The same was true that Moses, Moses had to lead the people out of Egypt so that, that that place of slavery had no hold over them. Who knows, the Bible says, whom the sun sets free is indeed free, is free indeed. Who knows that? And so the first crossing in life, everyone makes. They leave the captivity of their sin and the slavery of their past and the entrenchment of their desperation of their inner soul and they get set free and they come out into the wilderness called salvation. Put up your hand if you've made that first crossing. Good. Put up your hand if you haven't. Awesome. Okay. All right. So everyone here has made that first crossing. But God doesn't want to leave you and I in the wilderness. He wants to take us into the life that he's promised for us. I'm going to challenge some some people here. Can I say that even if you're a leader in this house... We all need humility. If you're sitting up the front compared to if you're sitting at the back, no one here is exempt from hearing this word today. I don't care how great you are at praying. I don't care how great you are at preaching. Every single person from the front to the back needs to hear this word today. We all need to humble ourselves and say, you know what, God, I need you to speak to me. Because I haven't got it all together, God. And you want the best for me. So God, I'm going to open up my heart. I'm going to allow masks to fall. I'm going to allow puffed up chests, maybe sometimes that I have, to diminish. And I'm going to take in this word, not because I'm sitting here thinking it's for the person behind me, but God, this word is for me today. I just feel to say this. This word is not for the person behind you. This word is for you today. Where you're sitting right now in the seat of your life, this word is for you today. I don't care what title you have on your resume. I don't care what title you have in this house. This word is for you today. You and I have to take responsibility for our lives first. So push aside any distraction. Push aside any comparison of who you think this word is for. Because this word is for you. This word is for you. Can I get everyone to say amen to that? But God doesn't want to leave you and I in the wilderness. He wants to take us into the life that is promised for us. So there is a second crossing that you and I need to make. From the wilderness into the promised land. Write that down for me. From the wilderness into the promised land. And a lot of Christians want to spend the rest of their life hanging out in the wilderness. This is true. Okay. Everyone look up here. Why is this true? Why is it true that there are a lot of Christians who want to spend the rest of their life hanging out in the wilderness? Are you ready? Everyone put on your bravery hat. Here we go. Because in the wilderness, God does everything. Because in the wilderness, God does everything for you. 
God does everything for you. In the wilderness, manna fell from heaven every day. Water came from rocks. God did it. God did it. God did it. And although, who knows it's amazing to experience the miracles of God. Who knows that as a house we believe in the miracles of God. Who knows that we're always uh, asking to see the miracles of God. We want to encounter the presence of the Lord. We want to see people healed. We want to see amazing moves of God, absolutely. And so there's no diluting of the importance of God moving and Him being free to move and the miracles of God. But the Bible tells us that when, catch this now, when Joshua took over the leadership of Moses and he gave them instructions, because they were near the banks. Do you know that the people of God we near the banks of the Jordan River, which was the key to going from the wilderness to the promised land. They were at the banks for 40 years, going around and around. So they pretty much left Egypt and kind of got to the place where they were supposed to cross over and hung out there for 40 years, where God allowed manna to fall and water come from rocks, everything. And then we won't go, it's a whole other message, but basically God says to Moses, Keep looking because you aren't going to see the promised land from here. You're not going to enter in. You're going to die and Joshua's going to take over. I mean, you know, God bless Moses. That, but that probably would have been a pretty, not, not his favorite day to hear that, right? I mean, just think about it. Just put yourselves in the, in the shoes of Moses, right? And so Joshua takes over and so they're there and he gives them the instruction and they cross over. Catch this. The day the Jordan River closed, so as soon as the people of God had made the transition from the wilderness to the promised land, the day the Jordan River closed and the people crossed over, the manna stopped falling. The moment the people of God transitioned from a place of wilderness where God did everything to them stepping into the promised land was when God stopped just doing everything for the people of God. And that's why a lot of Christians, I've actually had to come to this realization this week, hearing this word. Let me go back to a personal level. I'm so passionate about helping people transition. And for, for many times, I've wondered, why is it, why, why is it that some people just just don't make this second crossing. They're just going around and around and around. And a lot of times I thought, well, it's because they're just having difficulties doing it. But I've had to come to this realization. I think that's partly sometimes the reason, but I think sometimes there are people who just don't want to make that second crossing. Everyone say, ooh. Everyone say, ah. As a leader, I've seen this. I've seen people who cry out for, you know, Pastor Brad, help me. I'm, I'm now saved, but I can't break through in these areas of my life. And so we do mentoring, we do coaching, we ask for God to come in, and we see these people take on these principles, like the commands of Joshua, and they start to re-engineer their thinking in alignment with the Word of God. They deal with defeated, defeated, defeated mindsets. They deal with stuff in their heart, unforgiveness. They deal with identity issues. They get in there and they align to, as, as, as God commanded Joshua, do not allow the word to depart your mouth. Keep speaking out the word of God. They start aligning to the principles of to, to change their speech. 
and then you start to see that they are crossing over. It doesn't necessarily happen straight away, but bit by bit, they start to walk over this spiritual, supernatural bridge called just obeying the Lord's principles of how to cross over. And bit by bit, they start to cross over. And can I tell you, as a leader's point of view, as a pastor's point of view, it is the most amazing, awesome thing to see. It's so rewarding to see people's lives changing because they're partnering with their God. They're not just making... It's amazing to see people make the first crossing, to see people get saved. But can I tell you, I've sometimes wrestled with why is it that... I do want to see get, get people saved. I want to see evangelism, but it's not enough for me. There's something burning on my heart where I, I know that God has something more. It's not just about salvation, but it's about the promised land for people. I want to see people come into their calling. I want to see people activate in the gifts. I want to see people have their minds transformed, their whole lives transformed by the renewing of their mind. I don't want them just to be going one, becoming wilderness wanderers for Jesus. And I've struggled with this church. I have struggled with this because it's been such a burning desire in my heart to go, you know what? I want to see people say, but for me personally, that's not enough. It's a lot. It's great. It's a big part of my heart, but it's not, it's not the wholeness of my heart to see things happen in the kingdom of God. And not because I'm big noting myself, but I, I can't shake it because I think it reflects what God's heart is. That God wants people to come into the fullness. And so I've had to come to realize in a difficult way, because sometimes I'm laying out like, like we, you know, with God, we, we, we lay out on a table all the different things. If you imagine like a buffet of food and drink, all the things that people need to partake in in order to make the second crossing, to not just cross from, from the slavery of sin into the land of salvation, where God, they know God provides for them and God brings answers for them and God has broken them free from the bondage of sin. That the Old Testament uses Egypt as the example. But there's something more to help people to make the second crossing. Can I tell you, this church, this house has a mandate to help and equip people to make the second crossing. And can I be vulnerable with you? There are some people that I've found over the time that we've done this church who I realized that this house sometimes frustrates them because they just don't want to make the second crossing. And I've wondered and I've pondered why. What is it about this man of God? What is it about this woman of God that it's such a struggle that even though everything's laid out and everything's taught to them, that they just don't want to take it up. And then they, they look at the provider of the teaching as, as the frustration for them. But yet the frustration is they just lack the desire to make the second crossing. Can I tell you this as a leader? I can do everything. God can do everything. But he can't birth within you the desire for you to want to make the second crossing. Only you can have that desire. If he's a God of free will, he can't force you to have that desire. He can't force you to make the second crossing. He can empower you. He can equip you. He can enable you. But he can't force you, man or woman of God. The only thing it's up to you is you've got to want the desire. And what's sad is this. That many in the Old Testament never crossed over. 
because they were so busy complaining how being on the bridge, they hadn't bridged the gap yet, but being on the bridge, they hadn't entered the promised land, being on the bridge was not as exciting as what it was like to be in Egypt. Because it was tough. Everyone say this, I am brave. I am brave today to hear this word. The day the Jordan River closed, the manna stopped falling. Many people want to stay in their life where God just miraculously provides. Now, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with God miraculously providing. Exactly. Pastor Sarah just said, but if you anchor your identity, that the provision in your life, it's just that God does a miracle. For example, let me give you a practical example. If you hang around people who will teach you this type of lifestyle, that if you're believing for a new car, that you just have to pray for that car and that's all you have to do, you just be in in faith, brother, sister, because the Lord will provide for you. Will I bless that person that's taught you that? But they are a wilderness warrior. Now, is there anything wrong? Because we've had people here who've miraculously just been given cars. Hallelujah, awesome. When the manna falls from heaven, I'm not cursing the manna. I'm going to eat it up myself. But if I'm walking around going, the only way I do life with God is that he's always going to do a miracle for me. You have got a shallow revelation of who God really is. Because you actually won't glorify God if all you're doing is asking for Him to provide. Where you glorify God is when you rise up as a man and woman of God, where you actually use the creative force within you because you're made in God's image to speak the Word of God, to decree the Word of God, to actually get order in your life because God is a God of order, to get structure in your life, to raise up as a man and woman of God and to do some things that still need the supernatural on them, but God's waiting for you to step up in the natural gifting and calling He's already established within you. God doesn't get any glory from your life when you're just walk, walking well-worn tracks in the wilderness. Around and around and around. He doesn't get glory. You don't glorify Him. Do you glorify Him when you give your life to Jesus? Yes. When you make that first crossing, yes. But if you're just constantly living for the rest of your life in that after the one crossing and you don't get the revelation that God's calling you to more, that there's a second crossing then you will miss out. God doesn't get glory from your life when it is just staying at the same level. And this is where I've sat individuals down and I've talked to you about the culture of balance to do with the kingdom of God. That if we're oversaturated with the revelation of love, and we think that love is just all about stroking people and making them feel good and, and, and thinking that the house of God or the kingdom of God is just a hospital. That's what all we're designed to do. It's just to constantly feed people Holy Spirit drugs to keep them okay and, and give them their fix because they're staying and lingering in the life of defeat. Can I tell you, that's not what the kingdom of God is all about. It's what the kingdom of God is about, but it's not what the kingdom of God is all about. 
We're called to, to nurse the people in hospital, but then to make them strong enough so they come out and they are then enrolled into an army or they're enrolled into a, a strategy arm of the kingdom of God or they're rolled into a worship team or whatever that they're rolled into to get people activated. God is not able to take us where he wants us to go unless we become people who are willing to participate in our own journey with him. The question is, how do we make, how do we make our home, our spiritual home in the promises of God? Think about your home. What do I mean by your home? Think about what are you thinking about? What are you talking about? What are you meditating on? See, are you constantly thinking about your wilderness? Are you constantly thinking about how annoying your wilderness is? Are you constantly talking about your wilderness? Are you constantly reporting on your wilderness? Are you constantly thinking about your wilderness? Or are you actually thinking about and talking about the promised land? Are you thinking about the promised land? Are you talking about the promised land? Are you praying about the promised land? Are you decreeing about the promised land? Are you, when you're breaking bread with loved ones, are you talking about the next thing that God's doing in your life? Or are you talking about the chapter that is or the chapter that was? See, if you can't get to this current chapter because you're not willing to turn the page, how can God take you to the next chapter? I'm going to ask the music team to come. I want to share a couple more thoughts. This is what we're going to do. We're going to, I'm going to ask the whole music team to come because <clears throat> we're going to finish with a, a song. I'll get you guys to choose whatever that is. And we're going to just stand and worship uh, God with this one song. But before we do that, the agenda today, the homework today, of this part one of Bridging the Gap is I want you to think about are you a wilderness Christian or are you a promised land Christian in terms of different areas of your life? And what I mean by being a promised land Christian doesn't mean you need to be necessarily in the promises of God and everything is just hunky-dory. I'm talking about, are you right now focused on entering in to a new place in that area of your life? Or are you so focused on where you're at and just kind of too busy complaining about that? That's a wilderness Christian. There are key moments in life that require us to break from old ways of thinking, church, and step into a new normal is it normal for you? Is being a wilderness Christian your normal? God declares before you, He's breaking you into a new normal. God calls us to be promise possessors, not wilderness wanderers. God calls us to be promise possessors. Not wilderness wanderers.
God calls us to be promised possessors, not wilderness wanderers. I said it three times because I kind of see it like the word, like a hammer, like a, a, a nail, and it's hammering in. I love repetition. Boy, my wife knows it. <laughs> Poor thing. But for me, it works. On a personal level, we've just created a, a new space down the bottom of our house that kind of was an extension of our garage. We put a wall in, made it like a little gym because there's a wilderness that I wander around a lot called fitness. And I need to break into the promised land. <laughs> so I'm going to be intentional. I mean, most of you know this is funny because I talk about this every year. You just need to keep praying for me. But also in that room, God's given me a strategy to plug in to some preaching from different speakers. Just to lend my ear to the Word of God with a coming with a faith spirit. He's given me the idea to take a whiteboard down there with a felt pen. So when I get off the treadmill and I've listened to a word and something just inspires me, it's important about this new season. I'm just going to write it down because I know the business of life will, will, will steer that idea away if I just don't get it out of my headspace and if I don't write it down. And then the things that I write down in that place of discipline physically, but also feeding on the word of God, that whiteboard is going to be a blueprint for me decreeing and praying things in. And that gym is not just going to be a place where I'm going to physically work out, but I'm going to turn it into a spiritual hothouse. And God says, son, I'm wanting you to step up to a new place of establishing an atmosphere of, of faith in your home. Because out of it, I'm going to birth a new ability to bridge into the new things. For me, God gave me this strategy that I want to share with you. Something practical to take away today as we finish this part one of Bridging the Gap. And that's what I call the four R's. The first thing that God's encouraged me to do in this season is to just ask Him and partner with Him about what results do I want in the next 12 months? As in, it's not there yet, but what is it that, I, that God's taking me towards? Everyone say toward. What results is God taking me toward? It can be anything. It can be part of any part of your life. So I'm writing those things down. I'm getting clarity around that first R. And then the second thing that God said to me is then write down how that compares to your current reality. So just write down some things about the reality so that you get a revelation of the gap between your current reality to the result that you want to see happen. So that when you can understand the gap, God said to me, when you can be clear about the gap, then you can be clear about the blueprint that I want to give you to help you to bridge the gap. It's just a simple tool. And then the third R is God said, now pray and talk to me and get clarity and revelation. Up until now, Brad, what are the roadblocks that have hindered you from bridging the gap? What are the roadblocks that stopped you from transitioning from your current reality to where I'm wanting to take you? Call them out, identify them, don't let them kind of just be hidden in your mind or your heart. Call them out. 
actually make them clear what have been the roadblocks. Bring it out into the light. Everyone say roadblocks. And then the fourth R is God says, now be clear on this. What rewards will you experience when you bridge the gap? When you overcome those roadblocks and you partner with me and you bridge the gap, what will the rewards be? Meaning if those results start to manifest in 12 months time, what further things is going to happen? What further things can God open up for you? Ask the Lord to give you clarity about not just the now, but beyond the now. Father, I thank you, Lord. Just close your eyes, bow your heads. Thank you, Lord, for your word today. Holy Spirit, have your way. Thank you, Jesus. I'm hearing the Lord say this. Son and daughter, I have released this word strong, quick and fast like a brand new injection into your spiritual bloodstream. And I hear God say that even though sometimes when we get an injection or we get a needle, it hurts in that first time. It hurts. But God says, as the word has been injected into your spiritual system, the fluid, the DNA, the the spiritual chemical that's been injected is now moving all through your spiritual bloodstream. And God says, even though the initial injection was quick and fast and somewhat painful, God says, now it's starting to take effect. And God says, as it's starting to take effect, God says, it's aligning you. It's strengthening you. It's shaking you in a good way. Because as it shakes you, there's some dead fruit falling off. There's some old mindsets melting away. God says, let me establish you. Let me position you. Allow me to guide you. Allow me to feed you with this word. Holy Spirit, have your way. I thank you, God, that you're renovating foundations. You're renovating foundations.
foundations of our identity today. Lord, where there's been parts of the brick that have chipped away. Lord, where some of the mortar has become weak. Lord, where some areas have loosened and become less stable. Lord, you're the master builder. You're the master builder. You're the master builder. Thank you, Lord. You're the grand architect. Lord, you're strengthening. You're strengthening your people. Lord, you're laying down a strong foundation. Lord, because you're raising people up. Lord, you're raising them up to be strong, to be courageous, to be people who will take dominion, who will take ground, who will not turn to the left, who will not turn to the right, who will look straight ahead. I thank you, God. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. You are the master builder. You are the grand architect. I thank you, Father, for what you're doing in the name of Jesus. Let's stand and lift our hands. Let's worship the Lord. Thank you, God. Now, I want you to reach out. Let's reach out to God. Worship team, stay with me. Reach out to God in a new way. God says, this is your new normal. This is your new normal. You are a person of victory. You are a person who overcomes. You are a person who thinks on and dreams about the new day, about the promises that will lay out your way. God says, worship me in your new normal. Worship me through your victory. Worship me from your place of dominion, says God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Church, we're just going to linger for a couple more moments. I'm going to ask the worship team to do something. I just want you to imagine you're at Dominion Conference. I know you've only got four of you up here who thinks they're doing awesome. But I want you to imagine you're at Dominion Conference on the final night. That's what I want you to imagine. Okay? And I want you to kind of bring worship, and I'm going to pray. But I, want, I feel like there's an anointing here. But I hear God say this, you all have to take this word on yourself as you bring the worship. God says this is not a season of passivity. This is a season of taking the land. And I hear the Lord say among the four of you, in representation of the whole music team, let's put a hand towards this team. And me hearing the Lord saying, to all the worshipers, all the music team members in this house. God says, this is, this is not a season of passivity. 
This is a season of taking possession. Taking possession. And I'm hearing God say this. Lay down all of the sense of defeat in your own private world. And allow God to arise in this moment as we worship and we partner with the congregation. So thank you, Lord. Now let's lift our hands. I'm going to ask everyone to participate. Open heaven in this house. Lord, let your word be a weapon of warfare today. Lord, it's been injected, but Lord, let it explode on the inside. Let the revelation of God explode on the inside. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we release power. We release identity. Lord, strength. Lord, enablement. Lord, empowerment. Lord, momentum. Lord, moving forward. Lord, a new normal. Lord, we're victorious. Lord, we take dominion. Lord, we are conquerors in Jesus' mighty name. Awesome. Okay, one more piece of homework. Just uh, you can let your hands relax. Now, what I got these guys to do is just to shift gears a little bit. Did everyone feel that? It doesn't have to be perfect sounding worship team. I'm telling you. Sometimes when God's doing something, you've got to bring what you've got and God will anoint anything, right? These guys are doing amazing up here. But I'm hearing God say this. What I asked them just to do there, God's saying He wants you to do it in your private prayer time. I'm hearing God say there's been passivity in your prayer. God's saying He's shaking off the passivity. He's shaking it off. I'm hearing God say, do not be defined by your personality. If you are a laid-back person, God says, I'm calling you to be a spiritual lion or lioness. You are a person of dominion. You are a prayer warrior, says God. And this is a season to establish your authority in the spiritual realm first so you can take dominion. So let's now have a moment of prayer. We're going to pray and we're going to shake up passivity. Who believes that? Come on now. Just shake your hand at me if you're a man in the house. I want all the men to wave your hands at me. All right, can I say this? Men of God, it's time to rise up. It's time to shake off the dust of the boots, and you're going to be the prayer warriors in your home. Enough is enough. God's not calling you to be passive. God's calling you to be powerful in the name of Jesus. Men of God, shake it off, rise up, and step out in the name of Jesus. I hear the Lord saying, women of God, it's time to no longer focus on what other people think of you, but focus on what God says about you. So start to shake off the fears of the need for approval of what this person thinks or what that person thinks. God says, come into the fullness of knowing me. And knowing what I have for you. So let's start to pray. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. 
for your anointing, Lord, to be activated in every person. We pray, Lord, for a prayer warrior anointing, Lord, to be released right now. Lord, we're shaking off passivity, and we are coming into a possessing spirit. Lord, we are people with a possessing ability. Lord, we are people who are the first and not the last, who are the, uh, we worship a God who's the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. Lord, we're stepping in to new things, and so we're shaking off passivity right now. We're breaking it off in the name of Jesus, and we decree, Lord, Lord, that we're coming into a brand new thing. We're coming into a brand new thing, and Lord, we're stepping into the promises of God, and we declare, Lord, Lord, provision and promotion over our life, and we thank you, Lord, Lord, that we are strengthening in the Word of God, and we are going to pray, and we're going to pray, and we're going to pray, and I thank you, Lord, Lord, as we pray, Lord, you're establishing a new identity, you're establishing a new armor, you're establishing new weaponry, Lord, we are fighters, and we are fighters of faith, and it is the good fight of faith, and so in Jesus' name, we arise, and we shine, and it is a new day, and this is our new normal, in Jesus' mighty name, and everyone said, amen, now take a seat. Today, we're bridging the gap. Who believes that? Who believes that? Good. Now, this is the last point. We'll close. What we just did is called spiritual exercise. And like normal exercise, if you kind of haven't been doing it for a while, The idea of that first time back in the gym is daunting. You'd much rather just sit on the couch and eat those donuts. But once you go back to the gym and you break a sweat, and you go, oh, that was a workout, but mm, my head's clearer. The blood is pumping. I've got a bit of a spring in my step. Feel that adrenaline. The same thing spiritually. Last thing I feel to share. I can't let this go. I was going to share this next week, but last, last thing. Last thing, I promise. All the men in this house. Today, God is ripping off shame. He's ripping it off. To sense there's just been a heavy, just a heavy weight of shame. God says, You are not who you are in the flesh, men. You are who you are in the spirit. Meaning, your identity in me is who you are, says God. And at times, even though your flesh man has screamed loudly at you, and it's intimidated you, and it's tried to back you in a corner, the voice of the Lord is saying to you, Come out from that corner. Step in 
to the boxing ring and take that thing down. God says, I've already given you the victory. God says, you just got to get back into spiritual shape. And so I'm calling you to pray, says God to the men. Not that he's saying to the women, don't pray. But I feel specifically to encourage the men of God. I'm hearing God say this to the men. That sometimes you will resist coming into the promises of God because you're tempted to focus too much on the things you have to give up. God says, I'm releasing fresh hunger in the men of this house that the taste of the promises of God is so much better than the things that you have to give up in order to enter in. Lord, let that just sink into the men's hearts here as we close. Lord, we just worship you. We honor you in this house. Lord, we put you first in our life. And we thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. That in this season, Lord, you're helping us, Lord, to bridge the gap. And Lord, today it starts with a mindset stock take of where have we been a wilderness Christian? And Lord, where are we already a promised land Christian? Father, do your work this week as people meditate on that in preparation for part two in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen. Awesome. Right.